1: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Tuesday, April 14th. You are hearing us on Wednesday, April 15th. And as we have said throughout this unique and challenging process for all of us, we hope that this episode of the Cubs Related Podcast finds you in a good or at the very least just okay place with everything that is going on in the world. As we have been continually stating, obviously baseball is not priority number one, so we hope that all of you loyal listeners are safe and healthy and things are all right with your jobs and your family, your friends. But we are going to try to talk about baseball for a little bit, take our collective minds off of the goings-on in the real world for just a little bit. And Brendan, I think that the best place to start today is firstly to give a bit of a hat tip to one Ian Happ because Ian Happ is really carrying the burden for content as it relates to the Chicago Cubs and members of the Chicago Cubs. We will talk about Anthony Rizzo in a moment. He is providing a different and far more important type of content, but from a, a purely, like, entertainment Perspective. Ian Hap is really leading the way there, and to be honest with you, it's it's a. I think some of the other guys should be taking a little bit of notice. Uh, like I know there's bigger things going on, but we are really just not hearing from a lot of these guys in in this process, and. You know, we, we, the fans need something to do. We need, the content. We need something to look at. Just give us an Instagram story every five days or something like that, Seriously. right? I know. Well, we have Jason Hayward posting puppy
0: pictures of his new Rottweiler. So that's a little bit of an advantage there. But Ian Corey skyrocketing yeah. with the content. And we saw a little bit of that during spring training and even during the Cubs Con. But this is going to a completely different level. He was having interviews with Mike Napoli. John Lester he's doing the uh the representation for the Cubs for the MLB the Show player right. tournament. He's all over the place and phenomenal content. Love it.
1: Yeah, and th- that those are the two primary things we've mentioned his podcast The Compound which you can listen to on all the the major Podcast platforms after you have to
0: listen to it. It's it's must listen. Y- y- content it is must listen
1: content, idea. but you should listen to it only after you've listened to the Cubs related podcast. I think of it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a company line to toe, <laughs> but. That podcast is really good, and he's been, the, him, Dakota Meckes, Nico Horner, and Zach Short, who are, are living together throughout all of this, have been doing some really fun interviews. They've had uh, some great guests on, and we will certainly talk about uh, John Lester's appearance. I, I do have a, a slight bone to pick with you. I'm sure you were, weren't really thinking about it, but you, you listed that I as mean, Mike Napoli and John Lester. That's the idea. incorrect order. In reverse
0: order, I'm sorry. You, you know how. You no know offense how, to mean, ter-
1: Nap. As I believe they call him. Yeah. But John Lester was the guest on today's. Well,
0: podcast. I'm just going down yeah. the authority list, right? So you have the coach, then you. you have the player. But I, I got it, you. I
1: but Ian really shined in that MLB The Show competition. And we've talked about this throughout this off season about his kind of budding personality and how he has. I, I think more so than most of the guys, like a, a very sarcastic, dry sense of humor that we've seen kind of on display in in short little bursts. Obviously, he was having that ongoing rib with Rizzo throughout spring training that Rizzo couldn't make him smile and stuff like that. But that Twitch broadcast or however it's working, I'm not an expert in that, but... <laughs> <laughs> really, a really good opportunity for him to just provide running commentary throughout these games, and he got his butt whooped by Blake Snell and the Tampa Bay Rays Corey, in that first game, and there's nuances to how to play that particular video game that we don't have to get into, but he figured it out and ended up going 3-1 and one on the night. He's obviously playing as the Chicago Cubs, but there was a good clip of him yelling, He's got gold. He's got so much gold when Jason Hayward robbed a uh, home run. He was very excited about that. Yeah. Uh him selecting a pitcher, yeah. going, "Should I go with Johnny, Johnny Lester?" Johnny. That was good. All good stuff from Ian Happ. And again, he is really carrying the torch as far as Cubs quarantine content is concerned. Again, we'll talk about Rizzo in a minute. He's providing a different type of content. That is far more important in the actual real world. But as 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 far as joking, entertainment, loose type of stuff, Ian Hap is is really leading the way. And I, you know, like I'm not I'm not going to name anybody specifically because there's a lot of guys that aren't really giving us any content. But come on, guys, like g- give us something. I know. Step your take game a up take a 15 something. second TikTok. Give us an Instagram story. Throw some tweets out there, right? Like Greg Maddox is tweeting today. Tuesday. It's, it's Greg Maddox Day on the MLB Network, and they're showing a lot of games, and Greg Maddox has been tweeting along. If Greg Maddox can sit on Twitter and fire out some sarcasm and things like that, I want to hear from some of these other guys. Okay, where are you, Kyle Hendricks, Kyle Schwarber, et cetera, Right? Like, let's. We we might have
0: an explicit podcast in two months if there's no more content from these players. I think you may actually start losing your mind.
1: I want them to be safe and healthy, and I don't know what's going on. There's a lot more going on, but I, I'm just saying, like Ian Happ is really stepping up to the plate here. Uh, bad baseball pun intended. And you know, we we need some of these other guys to. Uh, to get involved here. So I mean, maybe Hendrix is
0: just like studying the scouting reports and you know getting a, ready for what could be. I can a season. understand
1: at least for Kyle Hendricks's perspective. The the tax situation in in the country has really been thrown for a loop. Obviously, know, so he's he's probably reading and and doing different you know breakdowns and things like that. Someone has to do it. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So I, I do want to talk first about this interview on The Compound with Ian Happ and his squad with John Lester and Mike Napoli. And first of all, I think if you listened to that episode before listening to this podcast, you are already aware of where this portion of the conversation (laughs) is going to go. If you haven't, then it will provide a little bit of, of context. It's a bit of a spoiler for that podcast. But Ian was kind enough to ask my question to Jeff Garland when they had him on, which is just about the Cubs and Curbier enthusiasm. But I also asked a question when he took a sample on Twitter for them. When he said he was going to have John Lester on, and I could ask a million questions to John Lester, right? But the one that I landed on because I thought it was it was half serious but mostly tongue in cheek to a degree, and I asked. John, you've hit three home runs in your career. They've all been to the opposite field. Do you go up to the plate looking to use the whole field, (laughs) or do you just take what the pitcher gives you? I thought that was funny because John is a Hall of Fame level pitcher, and I'm asking him about the three home runs that he's hit. So... Ian asks this question and introduces it first of all by saying, Corey Friedman asks this question and he's a repeat guest repeat on fan. this podcast. Yeah. Repeat. So yeah. I appreciate Ian noting that. I'm happy to be a a a a fan, a noted fan of the compound, which I, you know, really am. And then he asks the question, and everybody on the panel laughs. John Lester laughs. It's on audio. Now, Brendan, I know if this had happened like on Twitter or anything, you would probably try to dispute this, but there is an audio recording that exists in the world of something I said and John Lester laughing at it in response. If you all can imagine how inflated my ego is today and how happy that made me, whatever you're imagining, you are coming up short. I am taking that one hundred percent to mean that John Lester thinks I'm funny and I feel like in a court of law I now have proof to argue that case. Well,
0: I was listening to the episode and, and you
1: pointed it out saying, Hey, you cannot miss this episode. Well, and I like so that, that I told you just to listen and and around the twenty minute did. mark. I'm not gonna tell you why, you but <laughs> just wait. You did. Yeah.
0: But I listened to the entire episode because, you know, I'm, I'm a podcast, Cubs podcast, you know, I want to spread the love. So I'm listening to it around the 20-minute marker, because like you said, look for around the 20-minute marker, and Ian starts to say, hey, we're going to read fan questions off. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is this has to be Corey asking a question here. And so Ian starts to read off your Twitter handle, see, at Related, and then he starts to say, Corey Freeman, repeat fan or repeat guests and I'm like you gotta be kidding me right now there's no way Corey's gonna this attention well deserved then he reads the question then John Lester laughs and the moment that John Lester laughed the cognitive dissonance that I was experiencing was unlike anything I can ever explain. For In one sense, I was happy for you. I'm laughing, I'm dying. On the other hand, I know I can never top that. I mean, there might be a scenario, let's say he brings on Jake Arietta or brings on you, Darvish. I might be able to top that, but for, for now, that's it, Corey. C- congratulations, I, I'm i truly happy for you, but at the same time, I gotta say, I'm kind of
1: disappointed in myself. Thank you, It's it's a monumental day. I mean, look, if this type of thing where Ian Happ is fielding questions on Twitter and John Lester is a guest on the show. If I don't nail that yeah. moment, man, I'm failing. I'm failing my brand. Like you are. I'm failing John. You are. I... I just can't do it. So I had to nail that. Which is why I went to the offensive question. There there's so many questions and they're and they're good, but what would have, what would have been the second one you would have asked? I I mean I'd I'd really have to think about it. My my point is that yeah. he's only asking like three fan questions for this interview. They spent a lot of time talking about some other stuff, which we'll jump into in, in a moment, because some of it was interesting and obviously related to the Cubs. But they only asked three questions. You gotta nail it. Right, you can't come with some standard John Lester question. You you gotta bring something unique, which is why I went hitting. And for just for clarity, I I believe John's answer was he's got a high leg kick and just swing as hard as you can, which is why he's (laughs) always in his words he's late and he always ends up going to the opposite field so i'm pretty sure he has like two or maybe one spring training homer to the opposite field yes i field believe as that's well. true so, yes, yes. I, yeah. uh, part of me like i appreciate that he's somewhat self-deprecating in that but i don't i don't know like part of me did kind of want a serious answer because I think he's a better he hitter than he would even give himself credit for, so I do actually wonder what his process is. But it's that over sixty six start. Right. That's the issue. People bag him on that, but he has a good yeah, swing. He does have a good swing, and and so again, that that was kind of why I chose that question because it's like you could take this seriously, and there's obviously a, a sort of tongue in cheek element of this because like who would ask this to John Lester? But me. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. That was a definitely a highlight. And like I don't know, have I played? Back. John Lester laughing so close to my name fifty times. I don't know. We'll see. Um, if sense. if Ian Half yeah. notices a spike in the amount of listens to this particular episode, I'm going to assume that most of the that is due to me. But wow! All of a sudden, he has like a hundred thousand listens. Yeah, in one day. right. All from the same IP address. <laughs> right. But. One thing that I did think was interesting on that podcast, and, and he talked about this a little bit with CC Sabathia, but it was interesting having Mike Napoli there, who obviously was with John partially on the Red Sox and then obviously now is a coach for the Chicago Cubs. And they talked a little bit about the World Series attitude and how in Boston they had so much of a, we are going to win the World Series they were picking out the duck boats and it was just part of the attitude in some of those seasons where John was there and they won the World Series. That was just how they went about their business. It was a very confident group. It was either, I mean, obviously John or Napoli who said that when they rolled into town, they had the attitude of, we are rolling into your town, we are going to kick your butt and then we're going to get out of here. And you could really tell, even though this was obviously some time ago, like just the amount of confidence that that group exuded. And if you go back and look at that roster, it's it's a very um, veteran-heavy roster for for some of the, the those Red Sox teams. And it, it makes including David Ross, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And and it and it really does sort of inform, like, okay, this is how an MLB team operates. It's it's interesting to hear how the the kind of vibe is in the clubhouse. But what was interesting about the Cubs, I I, I think it was Hap. Maybe it was one of the other guys. I, I I haven't gotten to the point yet where I can discern Dakota, Zach, and Nico's voices. Who has the deep voice? There's one guy who has a yeah, super Yeah, I'm deep not sure. Voice. Haps, I, I, that I out. obviously can not I'm jealous tell. of that. Uh, but the yeah. others, I'm I'm not sure. But Lester was talking about how in 2016 with the Cubs that they sort of had that attitude because he thinks it's important to talk about things you want to accomplish, right? And, Mm -hmm. but he also notes that that was such a young team that there was a bit of kind of discussing, like, how does this all happen? Like, what's it like to be on a team with these types of expectations? And how do we go about acting like that? And and the one thing that I really wanted to point out that I thought was interesting that I don't remember if he talked about with CeCe Sabathia on his podcast, and that's why I wanted to bring it up, was John really talks about how important 2015 was in the 2016 process and obviously we know that Mm. as fans from a narrative perspective like obviously that makes sense the team makes the NLCS they get their heart kind of broken by the Mets getting swept there and it makes sense that it would follow that that's an important kind of building block but to hear it from John and to hear him talk about how that kind of let them know they could do it. They knew they had something to build on. It, it was just interesting to hear him reference how important that 2015 season was, even though that's kind of obvious to an outsider. You're shooter.
0: saying we, we know as fans the stepping stone that 2015 was, but it's always insightful when you have players validate fans' opinions like ours. And as you were saying, with him and CeCe Sabathia when they were doing that particular podcast, which again is is good content... You do realize the value of having and I don't want to use the word team chemistry in, in this context, but I can't figure out a different word or phrase at the time. You do value what those experiences do for you in, in the future. And there's no doubt that 2015 and having that type of like young group mixed in with a veteran core and how to navigate those types of scenarios and that type of environment helped them get over some hurdles in 2016 you look at the rain delay and he was talking about the rain delay with Ian Happ and how that was vital in his opinion in John's opinion for them to win that World Series and again for for us fans we we recognize that but to have a central figure on the Cubs tell you verbatim without that rain delay I don't know if we win that World Series it does give more proof to the concept just how important it is yeah to have everyone on the same page. And I think going forward, for, for me as a fan, when players say that, I, I I take everything they're saying with 100% truth, and I value that more going in the
1: future. One thing that was, just because you just brought that up, the, the, the rain delay it was interesting because obviously Mike Napoli was a member of the 2016 Cleveland Oh, he Indians, has some great quotes in this one, Who yeah. lose the World Series to the Chicago Cubs.
0: Lose the World Series to the, the Chicago Cubs. The, the
1: Chicago Cubs win the 2016 World Series. Yeah, championships, yeah. And Napoli tells a, a short anecdote about the rain delay and about how when Rajai Davis hit the game-tying home run, he walked over to the hitting coach and was like, Dude, we're we're going to win. Like the Cubs really are cursed. Like and he talks about how throughout that game he kind of felt like winning game 6 was key for the Indians in that series and once they lost game 6, he he was pretty uneasy about it just as anybody would be for a game 7 cuz it's a game 7. And hearing him talk about how like it it we all feel this like i'm sure we all felt this way in the moment we don't have to dive too deeply into that specific moment we're trying to stay positive here we will eventually though you know that. but like it was fascinating to hear a, a player say that he had the thought of like wow we're gonna win the world series because the cubs are just a mess like the exactly. cubs are just a cursed mess like there there's no way that that just happened that we just tied the game up like that like I think he even said like this isn't right, you know. Like that was one of the things that he was thinking. Like this is crazy that this is happening to them. And I guess we're just going to win the World Series. And he, you know, him and John both kind of agree that that rain delay, and again, obviously, like really changed things and and really sort of opened things up anew when all the momentum was on Cleveland's side. So. This was a this was a good podcast and they're they're managing to get a lot of content in just in thirty minutes. So I give Ian Hap credit and he's certainly the leader of this podcast and, and mailing oh, no a four doubt. team crew is not easy. Very so difficult. Ian's, Kudos to you, Ian. Yeah, I, and one last thing I want to point out about that podcast is that we, we got to give props to John Lester, who I don't know what he was using, but can we talk about the sound quality? Dude, my I was going to say okay? the same thing. He is that a was professional. Impressive. He is a professional in everything <laughs> yeah. he does. Okay, yeah. Mike Napoli sounded like he was using an old Nokia cell phone to dial into this podcast. Something John comes things. in crystal clear audio. I don't know if he's got a mic or was using Apple AirPods, whatever, but Man, my guy comes prepared for business no matter what that business is. John gives his best effort no matter what, Corey. It could be pitching, it could be hitting, it could be podcasting. You know, when he steps up, he's going to deliver, no doubt about it. Yes. And I did think, okay, so now this is the last thing on the podcast. But I did think it was funny. John, they start the interview by John talking about how he's, uh, Ian was kind of ribbing him for. How he's like a substitute teacher now because John has kids and he's sort of playing the role of of helping them with their with their studies now at home, and it was just funny to hear John. I think the first question that he asked him was, you know, John, do you think that teachers should make a million dollars now because you've tried to deal with this and john goes oh absolutely they should be making more money than all of us uh, just for having to put up with these monsters all the time <laughs> so i thought that was funny and like the image of john lester at home like you know coming back from the deer stand and trying to get his kids to study and focus and do math and stuff like that is pretty do you think john lester looks
0: at his children the same way he looks at umpires when he gets no uh, no strikes
1: I would not want to be. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I would not want to disappoint kids. John Lester. I would not ever want to be on the other end of that glare that we've seen him give. I, I, I would think he's a, a little. He's got a little more leeway with his kids than he does. Those MLB. kids are never going to get in trouble
0: with John Lester just staring at them yeah, it, yeah I, it's not gonna happen I
1: would be terrified of of that yeah so I that but that was a that was a funny image to me to think about John kind of playing the role of substitute teacher there but anyway that is our dissertation on the compound and again thank you to Ian Hap for all of the content that he is providing, and we, we've certainly got some time left in this quarantine, and maybe he's not done. That, that Twitch MLB The Show thing was a, a recent kind of addition that he jumped on, and maybe he's got more in store for us. I don't know. But the budding of Ian Happ's personality and just his standing in, in all of Cubsdom continues, even amidst this Major League Baseball season postponement. But let's turn to some of the other goings-on in the world and, and some of the other players. We could probably gush about Ian Happ for a while. But turning to Anthony Rizzo, I do just want to mention this, and we've mentioned this before, and I I don't know that there's much of a discussion to be had about it because it's a a pretty cut-and-dry thing. It's awesome. But I do just want to give attention to this because, as I said, Ian Happ is kind of helping us on the the more entertainment, uh, fun content type of things, and Anthony is obviously in his own stratosphere as it comes to real-world very important content, and that content is that he is just nonstop with his foundation and trying to do good in the world, and I think we, again, we've mentioned this all the time, the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation, but I just would be remiss to not mention this, and I'm looking at an article from friend of the podcast, Jordan Bastion, on Cubs.com, and he basically just describes how, at the beginning of all this, uh Rizzo set out with his foundation to deliver meals to Lurie Children's Hospital and just to be able to say thanks to some of the frontline workers, nurses, doctors, healthcare professionals, etc. And also to kind of start, we had heard him kind of pointing out some local businesses in Florida and Chicago that he was trying to encourage people to continue supporting even though we're not able to go to restaurants and stuff. Uh, And Jordan points out that that initial initiative has grown into a full-fledged program that has provided more than 3,000 meals via 30-plus restaurants to 20 hospitals and counting across four states. In addition to that, obviously under normal circumstances, Jordan writes, we've all seen Anthony visiting hospitals and pediatric cancer patients. Rizzo is obviously not able to do that and make those visits, but that has not stopped him from spreading the love. He has been recording videos to send to staff at various hospitals. He has chatted with kids over FaceTime. He's worked on Make-A-Wish videos for some of those kids, and each day he is writing personalized letters to kids battling cancer. And if you follow him on any of his social media platforms or you follow the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation, you will see that this is literally every day. He is donating food. He is sending messages to people. He is doing everything he can. And again, like I, there, there's not really much to discuss here other than just the fact that I don't think it'll ever get old to appreciate that just that he exists in general, but that he is a Chicago Cub and that we get to call this man our first baseman, our captain, and someone who is a part of the Chicago Cubs organization. I have a lot of baseball jerseys. I have a lot of sports jerseys. I've worn many of them throughout my life. Uh, And I mean this sincerely. Like I am never prouder to have someone else's name on my own back than anthony rizzo because he is just an incredible person and to see his daily dedication to using his platform for as much good as he can is really just amazing brendan
0: keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with xfinity internet you'll get the best in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more restrictions apply Corey, as of three hours ago, and we're recording this Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time, Rizzo is now doing another separate charitable event. So he just announced on his Instagram that he will be helping and participating in this event called the All-In Challenge. And the goal of this charitable event is to auction off things that will hopefully raise upwards to $100 million dollars. For COVID, and so Rizzo uh, is suggesting and putting out there that you can uh, buy his game-used jersey, amongst other things as well. So for Rizzo, it never stops. He's doing something, as you said, day by day. You have to appreciate it, man. I know like sports can be silly, and it's hard sometimes to properly contextualize <laughs> why we feel so upset or happy when we watched Cubs games. But when you take a step back and you look at who is playing for this team. In what the benefits of baseball are, Rizzo represents all of the benefits of what baseball can provide. And his charitable work from now with COVID to in years past with uh, violence, with cancer, everything that he believes to be important, he steps up and he tries to make a difference all within what he can control. And go- going back to our discussion on Lester and our discussion about you know, team camaraderie or team chemistry, whatever you want to call it. Lester visited Rizzo when he was going through cancer as a, as a teenager. So when they were both with the Red Sox organization, Rizzo, this young up-and-coming prospect who just got cancer, was visited by a former cancer survivor and eventual Hall of Famer Cubs legend, John Lester. So th- th- these are why I like to highlight these experiences and these events and put them in context of why they're good for, for baseball in our own little world. And they are valuable in that degree. But again, taking a step back and looking at who is on this team currently, there are so many good people on this roster. Corey, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Ian Hab, John Lester, the list goes on. Javi Baez, when uh, the hurricane was hitting Puerto Rico, he really helped out there. We are fortunate to be fans And to to watch these guys play a sport that they're very talented at, but at the same time, you have to really respect that they are taking the opportunities given to them because of baseball and trying to make the most out of it. And I I cannot be more proud because of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, obviously, we spend so much time with these players and spend a lot of money and uh, a lot of us wear these guys names uh, on our on our backs and on our fronts depending on the shirt or jersey that you have and I think it's always good to take a second to focus on like the the reasons that you should be proud to do that and and I, I don't think that there's uh anything wrong with that. But that is your Anthony Rizzo update. Again, uh, he's doing this every day. So if you want to follow along, go to the Anthony Rizzo Family Foundation. It's at Rizzo Foundation on Twitter. And as I've said before, if you are looking to participate and and chip in, if you have the means to do so, they sell very comfortable t-shirts that you can proudly wear and represent the foundation and uh, get a very comfortable t-shirt out of it. So, That is the Anthony Rizzo update. I want to turn now, Brendan, to just uh, some brief thoughts on the latest sort of out there proposal that we've heard from Major League Baseball. And we talked a little bit uh, a a few weeks ago about kind of the, the Arizona plan, as I think it's being referred to. Basically, everybody in Arizona kind of quarantined and just playing at those spring training stadiums. There, there was another one that was floated that kind of split things into Florida and Arizona, and it would have the Cubs—the the leagues would be no more, at least for this particular season. The DH would be no more—or, excuse me, pitchers hitting would be no more, at least for this particular season. And the Cubs would be in a division in Arizona with the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the A's. So obviously in that the leagues are now split. This this is a whole wacky concoction. We don't have to get into the exact nuance because we've been hearing kind of new plans every few weeks. And all of this is super hypothetical. We don't know anything about the timeline for when they would be able to get back, whether any of this would be feasible. Do they have to run through the players association with this stuff? I don't know. So I, I don't know how useful it is to really break this down because who knows if this is even a thing that's that's plausible. But just your your general gut reaction to something like this, because un, and and I'm reading this article from Brett Taylor at Bleacher Nation, who who offered some of his thoughts. And I think the the one thing I'm curious about from your perspective, Brendan, is this is different from the Arizona plan, as Brett points out, because in the Arizona plan. You could start that way if they were able to get this up and running, you know, if they had the proper testing and they, they got the approval from any health organization that this was an okay thing to do. And then say in August, it's safe to be doing this at your own ballpark and have people traveling to and from the ballparks. You could just do that, right? In this plan that, that we heard, I think this was from the USA Today, like, this is what you would be doing. You could play in different ballparks, but this is structured so that the American League and National League are not really a thing at this point. And obviously, you're then playing with different rules where all of the teams are using a DH. So this is a pretty drastic change even though it's similar in some essence and and maybe it's more practical I, I don't really know just because you wouldn't have everybody in one single space so maybe that allows you to use the stadium in tampa or the marlin stadium to not have everything outside all the time i don't know sure but i guess my again the long way of getting to this question as i'm uh, known to do what do you what do you think about this and and how do you compare it to something like that Arizona plan where you would be able to kind of restart things somewhat as normal if it was allowed but in this plan you commit to a you know a plan where the cubs are in a division with the Oakland A's now you can't just all of a sudden go back Switch to things, right? the NL Central yeah yeah so
0: i mean once this happens you're committed to it there's no way you can go back Everything around the league right now that's been reported, for example, by Jeff Passan, it seems to be that this is the only scenario. Either you do this, either you play in Florida and in Arizona, or you don't play baseball in 2020. So in that aspect, of course, I'm going to get behind that and accept a drastic change just to watch baseball. That that being said, I think like we we all are going to accept it. We we will take anything we can to watch baseball. So we can look at what it actually does to the Cubs and we can discuss the effects of this on the Cubs. And in my perspective, there's a lot of unknowns and we're assuming that all these players will be producing to the norms that we have seen in years past, but in my perspective, the DH would come back, you'd have expanded rosters, And for the Cubs, that is a huge advantage because we know they don't really have the depth in place. And so if you have expanded rosters, you're going to have Zach Short potentially play more games than you would have originally thought he would have in a normal season. And that's good for the Cubs' infield depth. And for the DH, you know where I'm getting with this. You put Schwarber at the DH spot. You have Chris Bryant go into left field every now and then. You can put Nico Horner in the lineup a little bit more often if you want because now you have this additional flexibility with your roster and that's a huge advantage for the Cubs, and I'm sure with other teams, there's going to be advantages to them as well. There's also like a morbid curiosity with this how I want to see a DH work with Schwarber and the Cubs. I've always thought about that. I'm not going to say I'm this huge proponent for the DH. I want it to happen in the NL. I think it's good for this sport. But I understand those who actually like you, Corey, like watching John Lester hit home runs. I, I, I get it. Oh, I'm have I mentioned that before? Yeah, I know, I know. So I, I I get both sides of the argument, but I am interested to see how a DH would benefit the Cubs in this scenario. I'm for it, of course. I'm for it. I we we have at this point no choice but to be for it. My concern, and this is not even related to baseball, it's a concern that everyone shares in the country, and it's a you know a world specific issue. If we don't have the testing and the the mitigation controls in place for this to happen by by June. That we're probably not worrying about baseball as a as a primary thing we're, we have other things to worry about so I'm I'm optimistic that this could happen I've been looking at South Korea and how they're propelling their league and they're supposed to open up their league by the end of April so in about a week a week and a half and they're playing games with no fans right now in their you know version of spring training if you will they have a tv broadcast they have even american commenters within these baseball teams so they've been asked about the experience there and they've said it's been working to their surprise They you know they get used to it pretty fast and i think in america that that could happen as well and for, for baseball like you know, we look back at some of the tragic events in this country. And for, for me in 2001, I was a small kid with 9-11, but I was in Arizona at the time. And I actually went to the D-backs Yankees World Series. Um, that that was one of my long lasting memories because baseball at that time represented the country kind of coming together. It was, it was like a unity type thing. And so baseball has the opportunity again to be some of that unity, right? That, 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 we need i think so i i wanted to happen i hope it happens i'm optimistic it happens but ultimately if it doesn't happen we have other things on our plate to worry about and at, at the very worst if we're gonna get 180 60 40 20 games whatever it is so be it i just i need baseball in my life Corey. i don't i honestly don't do not know what i would do for an entire year without baseball it's been my biggest fear about the league going on strike because there would be no baseball, this, this this would be a catastrophe for me.
1: Look, I mean, at this point, we're hearing all these kind of wacky and I guess you could call them creative proposals for how they would go about doing this because that's likely the best they're going to be able to do just given the the situation and the outlook on things. This is a weird one. And I mean, I, I Look, I I am man enough to admit that here's how I look at this. If the Cubs win this, if they did this, this Arizona-Florida thing, really if they did the Arizona thing, whatever, it doesn't matter. If they win the World Series in that scenario, 100% legitimate, the Cubs are the world champions. I'll talk about it forever. We'll tweet about it. It'll be part of the you know we'll we'll do the exact same bit. Like, don't forget, everybody, the Cubs won the 2016 and the 2020 World Series. Yeah, 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 World Series. Yeah. If they lose, however, this season is a joke. How could you take it seriously? They're not even playing in their home cities. The Cubs aren't even in the same division. This There's is no obviously training not and everything. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't count. There is yeah. obviously an asterisk against this, and you're a clown to think that this is a real thing. I. 100% realize the hypocritical nature of this but I'm man enough to admit that that's just how my brain is going to work. So if the Cubs win, completely legitimate. If the Dodgers win, you want a fake World Series. It's just how it is. So
0: Isn't there some aspect to you though, Corey? Like like seriously here. Isn't there some aspect that for you you are curious to see what like a DH would look like for the Cubs and not only that, they've been talking about maybe implementing an electronic strike zone to help promote social distancing between the umpires and players. Like there is some degree when you strip apart this tragic nature of COVID, there is like a morbid curiosity to see what this would do for the game and how that could improve the game in, in years to
1: come. Yeah, I mean it's it certainly would be uh wacky. And I I mean I I don't know that I would call it a silver lining, but there is at least interesting stuff amidst a, a Yeah, I'm not gonna call it a silver scenario. lining,
0: but you know, it is it is interesting nonetheless.
1: But yeah, I mean, as far as the DH goes, I mean, yeah, like, John Lester can hit on days he's not pitching. That's fine. Is that what you meant? I mean, that was
0: a response. Oh, you I, meant I like DHing. Look, if we want Johnny to bat three or four days a week, you know I'll sign off on that. I, I, I have all the faith in the world that John Lester can hit with consistent playing time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, it, it's at this point, kind of like you said, I would love to have baseball back. I would love to have the distraction of baseball back more than anything. And just to see these guys playing again, it's it's obviously the the our favorite thing in the world. And yeah. it, it's not going on right now. So I
0: wonder what it would do. In, there's so many different directions we can take this, but I, I do wonder we look at Chris Bryant and we look at how this could affect his contract negotiations, but this is not like a Chris Bryant issue. You have other teams around the league who don't have the, the budget the Cubs have. And you look at a team like the Oakland athletics or those lower market teams, the Tampa Bay Rays, who don't have the revenue and the, the worth that these Yankee Red Sox, Dodger Cubs teams have. What will that do to the rest of the league how is that going to affect negotiations? Are pending free agents going to make less money just because you don't have teams with the resources available to spend money that That kind of is the concern for me too. I wonder we already know the cubs have these financial restrictions for whatever that's that's a multi faceted issue that that you know we touched in years past, but whatever we know they have issues. Is this going to affect their ability to go in and get Chris Bryant to an extension, to Javi Baez to an extension? And not only that, how is this going to change pending free agents? Is Mookie Betts going to be a free agent after this season, even if they play 60 games? How does this affect playing time? Are we going to look at guys getting an extra year of team control because they're not playing the whole year? There's so many other dominoes to fall that have drastic consequences to not just a team individually, but the league as a whole. It's just so much uncertainty going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that that's why we, we talk about this stuff, just because this is the stuff that is going on. This is the current discussion. And a lot of this obviously still hypothetical, and the logistics and nuances of how they would even pull some of this stuff off are yet to be seen. But that was the latest proposal, uh, certainly not without its own set of questions to figure out, even relative to that everybody in Arizona plan. So that's kind of where we are. Um, I did want to chat a little bit. There, There's a lot of kind of fun conversations going on. Everybody's just basically looking at ways to pass the time. That's, that's pretty much what we've got here. Uh, and there was a, a good conversation on Cubs.com that we might have talked about a little bit on here before. Uh, but Jordan Bastion asked a little bit ago, who will be the next Cub to have their number retired? And I thought we could at least riff on that for a few minutes. And obviously, the numbers that are currently retired are number 10, Ron Santo, number 14, Ernie Banks, number 23, Ryan Sandberg, number 26, Billy Williams, number 31, Fergie Jenkins and Greg Maddox, and of course, MLB-wide, number 42 for Jackie Robinson. So, there as Jordan notes in his article on Cubs dot com, Cubs and MLB.com, dot com, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, there are active candidates and there are inactive candidates who have not had that honor bestowed upon them, but maybe could be considered depending on how they're going about this. Now, I don't know exactly how they decide this i I don't know who decides this or what criteria they are using um jordan says that there's there's not really one but even even like within that i don't like does tom ricketts decide this does theo decide this i don't know whose control this is under um but do you have a like a gut guess on this brendan uh well so I mean, just okay. just before you yeah. do this, let me yeah, read yeah, the, yeah. the names that sure, that Jordan for. puts out there, uh since it's his question in his article. Uh he says active candidates, number seventeen for Chris Bryant, number thirty four for John Lester, number forty four okay. for Anthony Rizzo. And then historic candidates, he has number eight for Andre Dawson, which would mean current people have to change their number uh and number 46 for lee smith he also lists number 21 for sammy sosa that is not going to happen if i was guessing unless the ownership changes i it, my opinion on the matter aside i just don't that's not going to happen at least anytime soon just given the we're, way we're going to talk about that then I, I actually disagree you disagree with
0: what uh, with, with i think i think it could happen this continue the list i think i have an argument for it continue the list that That is the list. It ends there. Okay. All right. So, I mean, okay. So Andre Dawson and John Lester have been talked about, right? If Dawson gets his number retired, Lester, by default, has to get his number retired because they both will have played, at a minimum, six years with the Cubs. Dawson won an MVP with the Cubs. Of course, all those numbers within six years. So if we're going to look at the timeline of what it takes to be retired as a Cub— then Dawson would go first, followed by John Lester. So I don't think Lester will, and I, I I want to retire his number, but I don't think he will be the first on that list. Bryant, we don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty with his future. He is younger than Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo's closer to retirement and his likelihood to, to be a Cub longer is greater. So I think of that bunch, you have Rizzo as an active player. The obvious Uh, candidate to be retired now you look at the other retired guys lee smith was inducted into the hall of fame if i'm gonna bet as a safe bet i'm going lee smith he's in the hall of fame it makes sense the cubs would honor him by retiring his number eventually that being said we have a year without sports what are we seeing happening as a result we have the mj documentary being pushed further in their uh schedule we have Sammy Sosa taking some of the Cubs media back in hold. We have NBC Sports Chicago talk about, for example, Sosa leaving the 2004 game. We would have never gotten that in a in a regular season. So in my mind, I think this year could be something where Sosa's reputation might get a little bit more uh, like liking by everyone involved. I don't know what the word I'm looking for here, but I think... Sosa is going to get more attention in a, an environment where there's no baseball. And you look at the age group, Corey, we talked about why we became Cubs fans. Sosa is going to be something that our age group remembers as we get older, as we enter 30s, 40s, 50s, and I do think that our inclination, our positive memories, despite some of the things that Sammy did or did not do, despite his willingness to admit whatever, we're all at fault, regardless of that, our memories are positive. They are actually transformative. I think Sosa will be the first one to be retired. I I, I do. Again, I wouldn't bet on it if I'm going to bet, but given what we're seeing right now, given we 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 need something to cheer for right i think within the next 6 months so this is going to get so much attention within the cubs community that i think it will have an effect in years to come and his uh candidacy if you will for the rickets to bring him back and and just my opinion you got you got to bring him back you you got to bring him back i know i know the issues at hand i know the steroids at hand i know his unwillingness to admit i get it right we are all not perfect. I, and you look at Sosa's situation, he's coming from a community that's impoverished, okay? Very different backgrounds. For him at the time, steroids was not as taboo as it is today. If you go into an environment, you tell a, a young kid that, hey, if you do this, It's not the end of the world, but you have potential to make millions of dollars and help your community. Of course, Corey, you're going to take it. There's no doubt about it. So you have to empathize with these individual situations here. And for me as a seven, eight, nine, 10-year-old growing up, Sosa was the Cubs. He was the Chicago Cubs. He was the only reason at times the games were on my television, and I'm not alone with that. I think the argument can be a hundred percent made that there will be some pressure on the Ricketts at some point to bring him back. And we look at the Hall of Fame voting year in year out; those, not, not Sosa in particular, but those who have taken steroids and admitted to it their record by the writers and their percentage of votes to go into the Hall of Fame have gone up a little bit. And so that's suggesting to me different generation, greater acceptance to that era, recognize the issues with that, but not going to throw it all away. I think within the next five, maybe 10 years, Sosa will be back. And I hope he does come back because to me, that would be one of the greatest moments, honestly, I think, in in Cubs franchise history.
1: Well, so... I don't necessarily disagree with you on his impact. I was just saying I don't think that's going to happen because of the relationship that he seems to have with the organization at the moment.
0: I think there's going to be pressure, man. I really, I genuinely believe
1: there will be pressure. But I mean, he, he was not involved at all in those playoff runs, the World Series run. He is like is he in like one video, maybe that they show at Wrigley Field? I of all, people, I've seen him I've, in a few videos. I feel like I, I get... should know the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, he should but... know that. I've seen a few videos. Like he, he just is not covered in a manner that is, I think, on par with, like you said, just the impact that he had and uh, how important he was to a lot. You know, this like our generation of of Cub fan. I I, look I I I could be wrong but I they've got a long the other guys we're talking about are like invited back into the ballpark right like we're talking about someone who is as close to persona non grata as you can get like with like kind of making reference to him every now and again right so it's just it's just a long hurdle to Overcome. If they overcome that, it's no question. He, he his his performance with the Cubs would warrant that. But that is a lot to overcome. And like I said, I don't I don't know who's controlling this situation. Uh, but he's got to overcome it with those people. So that that's that's my opinion on that. I, I think Lee Smith is is a good choice. Um, you know obviously he was just inducted into the 2019 Hall of Fame uh he's got a club record 180 saves with the Cubs and he was major league baseball's all-time save leader with 478 before Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman He's like the him. Pedro Strop of that era. Well, and as you say that they wore the same number, 46. There you go. So there you go. that would be and uh, unfortunately Strop is no longer with the Cubs so you wouldn't have to worry about Stroke changing that but I think that's that's a, a pretty obvious one I, I think for you know like our age people I you know Lee Smith was never really just speaking honestly here was never one of those names that like really stood out to me you know like when I think of like yeah same those older players that obviously we were not alive to watch um, those numbers are already retired in in Ron Santo Ernie Banks sandberg billy williams fergie jenkins greg maddox like those are pretty much the names that come to mind to me um when i think about this andre dawson too and you know i would say that like with his involvement with the team especially um he he's one that that would make sense um you know he didn't spend the majority of his career with the cubs does that make a difference i don't know um, but, you know, reading some of these numbers, as I have been from Jordan Bastian's article, he was, uh, you know, he was a eight-time All-Star, five of them with Chicago, two of his eight uh, gold gloves. He was an MVP in 1987 with the Cubs. Uh, as Jordan notes, it's just, you know, are they going to retire someone's number who was only a cub for six seasons as compared to 11 with the Montreal Expos? How does that all factor in? I'm not sure, but you know he he's one of those guys that is brought back as as a as a constant ambassador and representative in a, a lot of these seasons and during the playoffs and during the world series so his name would certainly be one that i would not be surprised um again though like you know why would they do it now as opposed to x amount of years ago i don't know how does that work as as far as the current candidates um i think Rizzo is the most obvious to me I mean I just think like as we've talked about a number of times
0: (laughs) there's no there's no no argument yeah
1: I like whether whether he's the next one to do it or not it's go, it it better happen right I mean the question
0: is if Rizzo were to end his career with the Cubs in the next year or two you know God willing that hopefully doesn't happen is what he has done enough to be retired as he currently is that that would be an interesting topic to debate. Absolutely, I think it is could that a be. real question? I think I think it could be. Yeah, I think it is a real question. People are going to say, "Oh, I don't think he's done enough. He hasn't been a couple longer than than necessary." I think that is a real question.
1: No, well, not. I don't. A question bu- that I'm, that I'm not buying it. But I'm telling
0: you, people are going to be asking about that.
1: Again, not a question that I'm entertaining, but <laughs> I think that one's a, a pretty easy one. I, I think, and we've sort of debated this before. Um, I I think that the. The most interesting, I think, the question you brought up is more relevant to Chris Bryant than it is to Rizzo, um, okay. especially because his future seems at least a little more uncertain as it relates to the Cubs. Um, but I think the more interesting question is what happens with number thirty-four, right? And we've talked about this before. And I, again, I will, I will, I will wear this, uh, but I will make the argument. And I like, don't get me wrong, I loved Kerry Wood. I, I still love Kerry Wood. But at this point, if you ask me to choose, who does it represent? Represents John Lester.
0: It does. It does.
1: And I but I, I do think that's an interesting argument for a couple of reasons, because one, would you only retire it for John Lester? As, as much as I would argue uh, that it, it should be his number, that does feel at least in part a little disrespectful maybe to Carrie Wood someone who was very important and the the team doesn't accomplish as much obviously in in Carry's time and his career of course is is uh marred by so many injuries but he was very important and and accomplished a lot and and some extreme milestones and to you know not have him involved just feel would feel weird right i I do think that there's something to that. Would you do it for both of them? I don't know. That's, you know. Then you start comparing their numbers. I don't know. And as Jordan points out, and I think kind of similar along the lines of what you were pointing out, I could I, I've made the case for John Lester thousands of times on this podcast. I don't know that I need to do it again. Um, but the interesting thing that Jordan points out is the tenure isn't that long. Right. And we were just sort of talking about that with Andre Dawson. And at the moment, right, Lester's is less than Andre Dawson in terms of years put in with the team. And Jordan Bastion points out, like, okay, well, then would you also be looking at someone like Jake Arietta, who it's a similar amount of time and who has won a Cy Young? Lester didn't win a Cy Young. His overall numbers with the Cubs, Arietta's, are better. Uh, at least a little bit in terms of ERA, John's got more wins. But like, it does bring up an interesting conversation. And, you know, I think the question would be like, again, what is the overall criteria? And where are you drawing some of these lines? But I, I think that Rizzo to me of the current players is a no-brainer 44 has got to be up there if it's not up there I'll climb up the foul pole and put it there myself (laughs) so I think that's got to be there I I think Lee Smith is an interesting case I think Dawson's an interesting case and you know again like I think that question of of 34 is is an interesting one uh because it, it would be you know, you'd, you'd be talking about a guy who has made a significant impact, is about as significant as it can get in John Lester, yeah. but just hasn't been there as as long. Um, you know. And then you've also got someone who's extremely a part of the organization's lore in Kerry Wood who wore the same number. So how do you deal mm. with that type of situation? Because obviously you're looking at it as it stands now. You've got 31 represents both Fergie and Greg Maddox and I think deservedly so, but, you know, if you did only Fergie forever, you know, I think you'd have a lot of people that would look at that and go kind of think that even though he played a lot with the Braves, Greg Maddox ought to be up there as well. So you'd have a yeah. similar conversation here, but yeah, and the the Sammy thing is a whole different issue, man. I mean, we could do a whole podcast I know, I know, I know. on that. I, I, I don't know about that. It, it's just one of those things where I think the there is a different feeling for Certain generations of Cubs fans, and there is obviously a disconnect between the fan base and the front office. I, I will also point out that there is at least a portion of the fan base that doesn't agree with you and uh, your general sentiment. They they didn't get over Sammy leaving on that last day. That whole situation, the steroids, the cork bat. There's there's plenty of issues. To well, dive yeah, but into. I'm saying
0: gen- generally the the general baseball fan base. If we're looking at younger baseball writers and those middle-aged baseball writers they are voting more for those who have took, taken steroids and i think my perception is those same writers are talking to us the fans and our perception whether it's related or causative or whatever is also more positive towards those people and eventually we will make up the majority of that type of perception so i think it's it to me whether it happens now or in ten years, fifteen years. I, I think it will happen at some point. That that's my argument.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't necessarily disagree. I just don't I the, the original question was which is next? And I don't think he's going to be next. I just Yeah. They've got a long. So, I mean, who's your answer to. then? So
0: you, you gave you gave Lee Smith. That's that's like your final answer. That
1: seems to make the most sense. Yeah, because I mean, we don't okay. know when these active guys are going to. I mean, that's 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 the,
0: and... that's, the, that's, the sa- that's the safe answer. That's the and safe I, I agree answer with you. Yeah, I will I, I will say though. So we're we're giving you know we're not giving credit to someone who deserves it. Can you think of that player who should be in this conversation besides besides Javi?
1: You are really putting me on the spot here. I know.
0: I, so it's hard because I wasn't thinking about it either until I went to this leaderboard. So we talk about Kerry Wood, right? And if you just sort, and I'm not saying this is the best way to do it, but it just kind of puts things in context. If you sort just by Fangraph's WAR, Kerry Wood is seventh on the modern-day Cubs all-time list. Number seven. Number five, Corey, Carlos Zambrano is number five, and he has seven more wins above replacement than Kerry Wood, but that's not the person I'm talking about. Kyle Hendricks, Corey, has almost 20 wins above replacement. Kerry Wood, has twenty three point four. There is no doubt Hendricks will pass Kerry Wood, but Hendricks has maybe what is he thirty years old? He maybe has. If you're going to be confident, given age of pitchers, maybe six years, you know, within that range, I could see him pitching seven to eight more years. If that's the case, he's going to be a top five Cubs pitcher, and I think he's in the same trajectory health willing as Anthony Rizzo to be in that conversation of guys who should be retired. And I I I never thought about him in this conversation, but everything points to him deserving to be in the conversation. There's great news during the pandemic. The
1: new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more
0: oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more hypermaxoxygen.com that's
1: hypermaxoxygen.com little did i know that when i joined kaiser permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great i can see my physician i can be referred to the lab i can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building you, you've got it all i mean it's it's quality of care it's compassion of care it's convenience of care it's true
0: Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.
1: Well, and I think that speaks to a broader topic, which we're kind of at the end of our hour here, and this yeah. you know, we could probably do this in a full thing. But it does speak to a broader conversation that, that they'll have to have eventually, and obviously you don't do it now because most of these guys are, are still active and stuff and still on the team. But how do you go about honoring and and what level of kind of priority do you give to the team that won the World Series? And
0: there's all sorts of
1: questions to be asked about that, right? Whose number are you retiring? Are you building any new statues outside of Wrigley Field? Are there anything? Obviously, they have the trophy on display, but are you building anything in and around Wrigley Field that, that specifically honors that team once that team is no longer like sort of still trying to win more, right? Which is the current Mm -hmm. place that we're in, if baseball ever comes back. So I I think that's that's kind of the thing, because I think in terms of like Cubs history, right, if you're going to put such an emphasis on them winning the World Series, which you should for a team that didn't do it for 108 years, I, I mean, especially when you look at how the list is built up now, right? It's it's a lot of guys from particular time periods uh, in terms of like retired numbers. Like, I, you know, you could end up making the case for several of these guys, right? Be- yeah. Because as it should, like, it, they didn't win a World Series for 108 years. And these are the guys who played the significant roles in that. How do you ultimately break all of that up? And and I think it it, you know, it kind of mirrors at least a little bit the conversation that we had with Brett Taylor on here about like if you were building a Mount Rushmore it's a it's a difficult conversation to have um you know do they do anything to memorialize Joe Madden in some way does Theo Epstein get some sort of honor throughout the ballpark? Whose number gets retired? Like, I think a lot of us have envisioned maybe one of those statues that they have out there of Rizzo catching the final out. But would it only be Rizzo? Like, there's some questions to ask there. And and it's an interesting one. Because again, like, you're you're not talking about an organization like Let's say the Yankees, right, who have 27 World Championships, and it's not necessarily about any single one of them as far as how important it is. Like with the Cubs, it's very different. Like 2016 ought to carry a lot more weight, I think in how we think about things, which is a a primary tenant of my argument of why 34 belongs to John Lester and not Kerry Wood. And some of that is not Kerry Wood's fault, obviously. You know, he tried almost single-handedly to win a championship in 2003, right, on offense and on the mound. But, like, it just carries more weight championship carries more weight that's what it's all about and for an organization like this it's going to be an interesting question to see how they parse all that out and sort of dole out those individual or group honors once the team is no longer sort of still intact
0: yeah yeah
1: so one one last thing before we
0: close up because it is recent so jeff passan reported that major league baseball will be participating in a massive coronavirus antibody study with upwards to 10,000 tests taken nationwide over the next two days. So if that means Wednesday and Thursday, that's going to be when MLB will be participating. So these researchers hope that what Major League Baseball has to offer, which is just a massive company within close social contact, could help determine the viability of this antibody test. Doesn't mean that this is going to be used to accelerate baseball returning. Nonetheless, maybe it also helps to benefit major league baseball to design some of these infrastructures for testing. So I do think it's worthwhile to bring up and it's encouraging from a national perspective to have baseball willing to participate is something worth mentioning here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that stuff and uh, I think that's what we have for you here. As far as the schedule going forward, I, I think we're going to be on more of a once a week thing, uh, but really, I would just ask you guys to stick with us. If a pod drops, it drops. If there's something to talk about, we'll, we'll jump back on here, and, and we'll always kind of find those uh, things like that Hall of Fame discussion to dig into and stuff, but it's, you know, just with the, the goings-on in the world and things like that, it's, it's harder than we might have expected to offer you guys a 100% concrete schedule. So we'll at least once a week, and if in an, you know another one drops, then yeah. it'll drop. Uh, that
0: that that being said, though, uh, I think we expect to record every Monday. Didn't happen this week. That's that's my fault. I had some issues, but at least expect a new episode Tuesday morning, unless something happens, and we'll announce it on Twitter. You can follow me at CubsRelated Related or at Corey at CF Related. But for the time, probably once a week, bear with us may you know drop on a different day other than Tuesday, but expect Tuesday it will be dropped. Yeah.
1: and as always, we appreciate you guys bearing with us in that regard. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, we want to be putting episodes out and and stuff like that, but it's it's all just about again, as always balancing do we have anything interesting to offer you guys? Uh, and also Brendan and I both uh, trying to you know, kind of figure out our jobs and and stuff like that uh, in this. Different and and challenging climate. So, uh, we are uh, glad to have you guys whenever we do put out an episode, and we appreciate your continued listenership and participation. And hopefully, obviously, sooner rather than later, whether they're playing some weird concoction of baseball in Arizona or Florida or whatever, like we do end up having actual baseball to discuss because that is obviously our preferred subject matter. And I would assume that that is what you guys prefer listening to rather than us recapping Ian Hap's podcast for him. But I was the star of the show today, so you'll to have to it. allow us the leeway to do that uh, on certain times like that. I didn't expect it, you guys. You know, sometimes the, the spotlight just finds you, and you have to embrace it. So that's what I did, and that's what I'm doing. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. As I've said a lot, and Brendan and I mean it sincerely, hope you guys are doing all right with all of this. Uh, we, you know, we are, are still going to be in this situation for, as it looks, uh, a good bit while longer, and... Uh really hope that you guys are all right, at the very least. I, I know that's, you know, maybe a, a low baseline, but I think that's, you know, maybe the best that we can all hope for here. Your your family, your friends, your job, whatever's going on in your life, I hope you're able to get through it and, and get through it in an okay place. Uh, and we thank you guys for taking any part of your, your time throughout all of this to listen to us and support us. We appreciate it and we will talk to you guys again soon. So as I said, whether we're, we're talking about someone else's podcast, we're talking about all the players being on lockdown in Arizona, or eventually we are talking about Chicago Cubs baseball being back on the air, we always end with Go Cubs. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies?
0: That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in?
1: (laughs) What? We could sleep in another half hour? Yay! Thanks, sweetheart. Yay! Never. And you'll change yourself, too? Yay!
0: There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. GEICO gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that GEICO is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you. Like your mom, when you fill out really, really important paperwork on the first day of a new job.
1: Name, check, birthday, birthday. Social security, is that a thing? Hey, Mom, what is my social security number? Mom? 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 Okay, let's guess. Uh, zero, zero, 0017, oh, Gemini, hashtag,
0: done. Geico, always there for you with savings and 24-7 access to licensed agents.